in your Bibles to, uh, we'll start in 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, and then I want to go to Ephesians. I'd like to speak to you tonight about getting rid of what should not be with you. Everybody say, things happen. Now, listen, when they happen, you, you are the, the one that can decide, should it be and should it remain in your life? And you have the choice. It must not be with me. Now, in 1 I mean, Corinthians, let me just go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 Paul writes and he says, well, let's pick it up in verse 9, because he says, It is written that I have not seen, nor has the ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God prepared for them that love him. Look at somebody say, God has a plan for my life. Remember, I spoke about it last night. God is the one that controls your destiny. And um, then Paul goes on, and he says in verse 10, But God revealed these things to us by His Spirit. And then in verse 11, What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. I want to talk to you tonight about the things that are in the man, the things that could be in you. And then turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. See, one of the things as you turn in your Bible, one of the things that Jesus told us to do, one of the missions that he gave the church is that when you run across demons, cast them out. It's amazing how here in America, you know, in Africa, India, and so on, when we go there, it is, it's not even a, a matter of consideration. If there's a demon in them, they bring it to you, say, cast it out. Over here, they will protect it. In fact, they've civilized their demons in many areas. My friend Rodney Howard Brown likes to tell the story about how a woman came to him and said that she had a demon of gluttony and she wanted that out. So he told that demon, get out of her. He said, the demon asked, spoke back to me and said, you give me a cookie, I will. <laughs> it's plum crazy. <clears throat> Demons are not to be toyed with. Now, finally, that's Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren. Now, just look up at me for a moment. Let me just put a footnote in there for you. You know, I want to encourage you, even though you have the, uh, the, um, uh, the luxury of having the scriptures displayed on the wall, carry your Bible. You know, I was just joking with one of the men there last night, but really I wasn't joking. Carry your Bible. Bring it to church with a notebook. 
bring it to church with a pin. Let that become a, an incredible tool for you that becomes very sharp. Carry your Bible. Read your Bible. Don't rely only on what is on the wall. And I'm very serious. Learn to handle your sword. And he says, my brethren. The word brethren was actually a word that was that started to be used by physicians uh, millenniums ago that referred to two men that came out of the same womb. But uh, in later times, Alexander the Great started using it. You know, he started, you know, I mean, really, really conquering the world and uh, to get to know Alexander the Great, you can understand if you knew him personally, or at least he knew you, would have been the greatest honor. And so what he did is he went around the world, he'd, you know, build a platform and then take, you know, brave warriors or generals and bring them on the platform and then refer to them as brethren in a personal sense. To boost their level of importance among the people and it was greatly appreciated. Paul borrowed that and not only refers to us as the people who came out of the same womb of the Spirit, but also as the ones who knows personally the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, can I hear an Amen. Let me just pause a little while longer here on this thought and just say this. You know, so much is handed down to us, you know, through the years. And, uh, and so oftentimes we just stick on the thoughts that was handed down to us without asking God. Please, Lord, you know, reveal some things for me. I was in, in, in uh, Oregon uh, this year, uh, friends of mine over there in Oregon. And I was supposed to speak there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But I got there early. And uh, so... On Wednesday night, the associate pastor of the church asked me, he said, we're working through the Bible, and uh, tonight we would like for you to just take my lesson and just uh, uh, teach on uh, what, where we are. I said, um, where are you right now? He said, 1 Corinthians 12. He says, we're studying the gifts. I said, but 1 Corinthians 12 doesn't speak about gifts. He said, yes, it does. No, I said, it doesn't. He said, Dr. Venter, it speaks of the gifts. Let me just see. He said, you've got me confused now. So he took the Bible. He says, can you see? He said, uh, what does 1 Corinthians 12 says? He says, uh, now concerning spiritual gifts brethren I don't want you to be ignorant I said and then he wants to go on to the next verse no wait wait a minute wait a minute the first verse is the introduction to the chapter so let's look at that again now he says concerning spiritual gifts brethren well no no you're too fast man just I said read slowly word for word now concerning spiritual gifts and I said stop look at the word gifts what do you see on gifts well the word gifts is italicized what does that mean 
He said, well, it means it's not in the original transcript. Correct. Now, I said, just for the sake of, of the study that you want to do here in the church tonight, read it this time without the italicized word. Now, concerning spiritual brethren. Hmm. I don't want you to be ignorant about them. Because you understand, people who walk with God, these are significant men and women. They're not just the ordinary. They're not just somebody that just goes to church and says, we know God. No, it's people who walk with God. They know Him personally. He knows them. They are referred to as His brethren. And he says, those men, those women, they are greatly used by God. And then he just happens to mention nine different ways in which God can use them. He says, to some is given this and some is given that. Whatever the need is, God gives it to them because that's what God... He doesn't elaborate on any gifts. He's elaborating about the quality of spiritual brethren. People who walk with God. We're not talking about just religious people. We're talking about men and women who make it their business to hear from God. And then it's... No, people want to introduce me. When I come to churches, they want to introduce me as a prophet. I'm not a prophet. I'm an evangelist. You know, I never heard God say to me, Jan, you are now a prophet. The fact that God uses me and healing, and God uses me, and, and sometimes in prophetic words, and the words of knowledge. That doesn't make me any more special than any of you. We're not supposed to hang labels on people. You know, I know we call them pastors, and, you know, and I've studied hard, you know, to earn the, the, the title of doctor. And if you want to use it, that's good. You can use it. If you don't want to use it, just call me whatever you want to. But as long as you call me the real deal. Greatest compliment anybody can ever give me is to say, I feel God in you. Because that's what it's all about. It's to come to that level where you can really say, I know God. Doesn't mean I know all of God. But what a great honor. I know God. Put your hand in your heart. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to get to know you better. To the point where we also can say, the Lord calls me his brother. Lord, I pray that Whatever is necessary here tonight, will you do it for us? God, will you give us the authority to cast aside and to break anything that is not of you? For we ask it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, there's a strange fantasy among people about devils. You'll be amazed how 
how fascinated people are about demons and devils. People love to use the phrase, even the devil has done this and that to me. Said, oh man, I was doing really well. And then all of a sudden, Monday morning, the devil broke loose in my house. That wasn't the devil. It was your husband. I'm not trying to come up with the devil, but you know, don't, don't uh, make yourself look so important. Lucifer came to your house. <laughs> you know, from time to time, he's moved his, his uh, uh, headquarters, you know, different places. At the time of Paul's writing to the Ephesian church, it was right there in Ephesus. But for you to think that he's even been here in Lubbock, that's really a far cry. He's just one single fallen angel, folks. Come on, can I hear an amen? amen? And I don't know where his headquarters is right now. Maybe it's Washington, D.C. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but wherever it is, it's possibly, very possible that it's not here. He's a single fallen angel. Now, we have three spirits. Everybody say three spirits. There's three spirits at work in the world. The one spirit is the most important one, and that's the spirit of God, which is, come on, say it. Yeah, say it loud. The Holy Spirit. You know, when you respond, do it loud because they're recording the services. And so whenever somebody listens to this afterwards, it makes me, you know, appear a little more important. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Holy Spirit, the greatest influence that could ever happen to you when God is at work inside you. And as I briefly mentioned last night, you know, it's a great thing when God works with you, but sometimes it could be painful. Amen? Then there's the second spirit that works at work in the, li in, in the world. <clears throat> That is the spirit of Satan. See, what we're running into oftentimes, it's not the devil, but it's the spirit of Satan. Now, what is that spirit? The spirit of God? That's the Holy Spirit. What is the spirit of Satan? I'll tell you. It is the spirit of rebellion. The spirit of rebellion is the most contagious thing that you could ever come in contact with. Rebellion breaks out in your church unless it's dealt with right away. It could absolutely break the church into small pieces. It's extremely contagious. From rebellion stems all the other sins. Rebellion is the main cause. It rebels against Everything that's God, it rebels against authority. It rebels against authority. And, uh, uh, and the United States is absolutely overwhelmed with a spirit of rebellion in every facet of our society. It is just absolutely running havoc in our judicial systems, in our uh, political arenas.
our schools, everywhere, workplaces. You want to see rebellion, just go to the local schools, public schools, and just go and see what's going on there. It's, you cannot believe it. They used to ask me, you know, to speak to different schools and colleges from time to time. And I stopped doing that because, I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And it's run throughout churches now. You cannot dare, you cannot dare to apply discipline. You discipline anyone, they'll just get up and go. To the, one of the 75 other churches in, in the city. They run from this one to that one, this one to that one, that one. And you know, it's just, as long as you can appease them, tap, pat them on the back, you know. And even, I mean, you know, even if they cannot do something good, they sing and they sing terrible, you still got to lie to them and say, oh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot say to them, oh, please don't sing no more. <laughs> you know, do something else, but, oh, brother, please. You know, it's like, I mean, if your breath smells bad and somebody tells you, chew a bubblegum, please. And they're offended by that. That's, I mean, that's stupid. And if your breath smells bad, somebody's <laughs> got to tell you your breath smells bad. And if your pastors are telling you no, 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 no. Because you understand, the only remedy against rebellion is what? Discipline. You spare the rod, you spoil the child. So the best thing that could ever keep you in check is if the leadership here, and I'm sure they do, if the leadership keeps a tight rein. And very quickly, the, re the rebels will spread the news and say they want to be dictators in that church now. Yeah. I told a church two weeks ago, do you know that God is a dictator? No, I said, no, I don't buy that one. Well, then you don't know God. You either do it God's way or no way. This is his kingdom. This is an autocracy. What do you call it? Autocracy. Thank you. Speak tongue. This is an autocracy, not a democracy. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to uh, the Christian church is for democracy to be spread into the church. Not supposed to have that. So it's the spirit of rebellion. The third spirit that we deal with is what? It's the spirit of Christ. So we have the spirit of God. We have the spirit of Satan, which is rebellion. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you have the spirit of Christ. What is the spirit of Christ? It's the spirit of obedience. See, it's the counter to rebellion. See, the world fell under the sway of the spirit of Satan, and God sent the remedy. He sent the spirit of Christ, which is the spirit of obedience. It's also the spirit of sonship. You cannot be 
involved in anything that has to do with God. And I don't have time to prove it, but I can prove it to you a thousand times over. You cannot be involved in any work for God unless you're a son or a daughter. And that I can prove. So that's kind of a basis as to where, where we move. And it's your choice, it's my choice, if you want to keep the wrong spirit. The moment you sense, whoa, 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 old Jan wants to stick his head out, you take it to the cross. And you say, Lord, set me free, because no one knows, no one knows what is in your heart except you. And, and people love to fool you. They would love to make you think they're just top class. And you may think so until they're tested. See, there's three areas where you'll be tested. See, that's the three dimensions every time. You see, there's three areas where you'll be tested. And they're the three G's. You will be tested. If it's not by God, it will be by the spirit of Satan. It's the three G's. It's girls. Or, for the girls, guys. You will be tested sexually. You will be tested. If that don't work, you will be tested with gold. That's money. Either too much or too little. And your faithfulness, your integrity will be tested. And the third place where you'll be tested is with glory. That's when God brings His anointing. And I see many people develop pride just because God used them one time or twice or a hundred times. And all of a sudden, it's pride and it's all me. And they love to accept the glory. We cannot take the glory. It's never me. It's never you. It's always God. Come on, can I hear a better amen? It's always God. Are you with me? Now, in the demonic world, and I want to talk to you about that now. In the demonic world, there's much going on. Where people... In America especially, and in Africa as I say, and in India, I come there, and, you know, and, and just about every service we go, you know, we will have 20, 30, 40 people set free of demon spirits. Over here, people hide them. And it's not like, you know, it's only in dark Africa. This is now dark America. Come on, can I hear an Amen. amen. And you cannot afford to live with them in your home. You cannot afford to live with them in your house if you find anything that is not of God. Get rid of it. Find it. Kill it before it kills you. Come on, say it again. Find it. Kill it before it kills you. Don't know how many of you saw that, that movie on, on Discovery Channel about the guy that fell into the canyons here in Utah. 
gotten his name now, but he fell down into a canyon, and then the rock came down and trapped his arm off, uh, 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 trapped his arm under the rock. He was stuck there for five days, and then he had to cut the arm off. He had to break the arm and then cut the arm off. Because he was going to die. Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. I'm not, I mean, you know, he's, he's meaning that's how serious this is. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Because it's better for you to go into heaven with just one arm than to go into hell with both your arms. If you find something in your life that's not there, get rid of it. Find it. Kill it before it kills you. Because you understand, things happen. Things have happened. Things happened in the past. Things happened when you were young. Things happened, you know, to many people, you know, ages ago. And you'll be surprised how they carry it. Well, I mean, it's just incredible. Come here, man. Just hold that, will you? And, you know, that's what the enemy does. Is this yours? Just hold that. You know, just, just don't, don't drop it, okay? Just, just hold it. Yeah, just give me some stuff. Thank you. Yeah, give me some more. Give me some more. Come here, Matt. Come here. Give me some more. You know. Thank you. Just. Some more? Give me that one. Give me that one. Yes, yes. Just hold on, Matt. Just hold on. We'll pray for you, buddy. We'll pray for you. <laughs> and now, people come, sit down there, but don't take it off. Just sit down. Just sit down. Hold on, buddy. Hold on. And they come to church and listen to the whole service. And then they go to the altars. Come. <laughs> oh, I'll help you. I'm not going to let you lose any of this. Just hold on. Come to the altars. And, and, and just kneel. There you go. Just like that. Just kneel. Somebody, don't let, lose somebody's lipstick. And they'll pray. And weep. And then come. Let me help you. Please don't lose anything. Go and sit down. And then there. In church, in church, how oh, something happens, and they bring more. <laughs> and I mean, he's such a willing donkey. And then finally, the lower back starts hurting. Huh? It's the load you're carrying, you turkey. <laughs> And then the evangelist comes there and says, Matt, you're crazy, man. Just, just put it down there. You're going to let go of the things, Matt. My Lord, that's why Jesus died for you. You know, let him set you free. You know, get rid of these things. My goodness. You can go home free. Stand up and raise your hands and just praise God. 
And then he sits down. And it's time to go home. Whoops. I'm going to carry my stuff with me. You know. I'd set him free in church, but Lord have mercy, I cannot let go of these things. I mean, that's my ex-boyfriend, and you know, that's uh, my, my daughter-in-law, and this is my husband. My goodness, I've got to carry all these. Uh, why carry it? Home with you. Start giving it back to them, Matt. Give it to who it belongs. Get rid of it. Find it. Kill it. Before it kills you. Say it. Say, find it. Kill it. Before it kills you. You have to understand because it'll wipe you out. It'll get you to a place where you can no longer stand it. Go ahead and give God a praise offering. You will not, you will not stand it. You ought to say, my God, I don't want to carry this stuff no more. I'm your child. I don't, I don't belong to the devil. I mean, I, I don't, I, he should not have anything in my life. You know what amazes me is the church loves to define things theolo uh, theologically. You know what theology does? If you say something is small, theology says how small. You say something is good, theology says how good. You say the devil is involved. Involved. How is he involved? Who cares? They call it at different levels. You know, I'm not so bad because I'm just struggling with a little depression. Somebody else has an obsession. Somebody else's possession. Who cares what kind of session? And then they'll say, a, a, a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. Huh? I've found too many that are. i found too many that are, who are. I believe a spirit-filled child of God will not walk around with demons. However, let me tell you a story quickly and I'll have to bring this to, a, to an end. I was pastoring a church one time in South Africa. And I'm telling you, I've always been very genuine with God. And Amanda, a, a, a young couple came to me and said, Pastor, don't you want to go and visit friends of ours? They live 12 miles out of town. Old, very old couple. They're at least 60. Those days I was in my early 20s. 60 was ancient. Boy, it's amazing how the ages have changed. I'm 64 today. I'm young. Man, I tell you what, at 64 you can still date. <laughs> you guys don't believe that, do you? So they asked me to go. They said, this is an old couple. So I go out there. Normally I would take somebody with me, but it's in the daytime. Everybody is working. I go out there, old, old couple. I drive into the yard, and a 
feeling of lust came over me. I mean, incredible feeling of lust. You know, I may have problems, but lust is not one of them. And so I was amazed. And I just knew, you know, when I ring the doorbell, some beautiful gal is going to open the door, answer the bell. And when I rang the bell, the door opens, and here stands a short little, almost 90-year-old lady, you know, <laughs> answering the door. And I'm standing there saying to myself, am I a pervert or what's going on here? <laughs> so I follow the lady into the living room, and oh, my, here is her great-granddaughter. Lord Jesus, at that moment I knew I was in trouble. The moment our eyes met past the stormy, it was lust at first sight. Her eyes, her name was Margaret. Say Margaret. Say Margaret. <laughs> You'll never forget the story again. And with her, her eyes, my goodness, you know, she's got these long eyelashes. And then when she opens them and closes them, you feel like you're moving with her. <laughs> you're, you're, just, you're just captivated. <laughs> and I'm sitting there saying, God, give me a verse. I need a verse, a verse, verse. Bring a verse, Lord, quickly. I mean, I need verses. <laughs> and the only verse that comes is Paul's admonishment to Timothy that says, Flee fornication. <laughs> you know, get out of here. <laughs> so I, I, I pray for the old couple and I'm out of there. I drive back to the church and on my way on the 12 miles I'm crying out, God, Lord, Jesus. And the spirit of Satan would say, Margaret, Margaret. I go to the church, I fall in my face. Jesus, Jesus, Lord, have mercy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Set me free, Lord. Please set me free. Glory to God. Glory to God. And then every now and again when I would keep quiet, it would come. Margaret. <laughs> I said, God, I'm going to fast for seven days. It's all I could do because the next week we had a great feast planned. And so I said... I can do seven days, but that, Lord, you've got seven days. Set me free. In seven days, I fasted, prayed, first day, second day, third day. If you've ever fasted without food totally, you know that third day, that's horrible. You wake up, I mean, when you wake up, you can smell breakfast that somebody is making four houses down the street, you know. And then when you get up, your knees don't want to work. Yeah, I mean, you go to the church, you know, and you know you have to pray, but you don't even like praying no more. I mean, you know, so, you know it's just, oh, God, I've, I've saturated myself with prayer. And God, every time I say Jesus, the devil says, Margaret. <laughs> and I'm here on the third day, and I'm praying. My secretary goes and runs errands, and the phone rings, and guess who it is? Come on, say it. <laughs> and she doesn't say, Hello, Pastor. In a husky, sexy tone, she says, Hi, Jan. I felt 
the sweetest my name ever sounded. <laughs> I almost felt like saying, say my name again. <laughs> and she says, she says, can we get together? No. Well, we cannot get together. Why would you get together? She said, Jan, I need prayer. What do you need prayer for? <laughs> she said, Oh. She said, when you walked into that house, your eyes, I felt like saying, your eyes too. <laughs> you know, there was something about the eyes, you know, there was something that happened in the eyes. And I told her, no, 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 I can't. But I, I told God, Lord, you know, set me free by Friday. That's it. I'm going to Margaret. <laughs> Tell you right now, Lord, I'm going to Margaret. You know, I just know it. My, my flesh is in control here. But by the fifth and the sixth day, it was no longer the flesh. Now I started hearing this voice that said, This is not the devil. Man, you're a man of God. You didn't know she was there. You function in the realm of the word of knowledge, you knew your wife is in there. That's your wife. You're married to the wrong girl. It's easy to get out of it. Divorce her. <laughs> it's the voice. And then he starts telling me about all the things that my wife does that I don't like. He reminded me of how she squeezes my toothpaste in the middle of the tube. <laughs> you know, how many times have you spoken to her about not using your toothpaste? You come there and the toothpaste has been squeezed in the middle. <laughs> On the seventh morning I woke up. When I woke up, it's still, Hi, Margaret, I'm coming. I'm coming. Then I remembered, my dad told me, you can let them steal anything from you, Jan. But don't let nobody ever steal your integrity. David said, I've served God with my integrity. So I had my wife make some breakfast and then and then I had her sit. She's a short little lady, five, almost five two, just short little lady. And I sat down. There's no ways. There's no ways. I'm going to leave the house and go to another woman and betray my wife. That just will not happen ever. So I said to her, "I need to tell you what's going on." And I told her the whole thing. A strange glow came over that little five-foot-two woman. She rose up behind the table. She's seven feet tall. <laughs> she comes around. She's not walking. She's floating. And she's in tongue. Oh, glory to God. She comes right in front of me. She says, you need prayer, boy. 
on your knees right now. <laughs> I know what's going on. Yes, ma'am. I went on my knees. Now I'm telling you, I don't know what it was. Obsession, possessions, you know, supersessions, sex sessions. I don't know what it was. But when she laid hands on me, I'm telling you, I felt that chain broke. And when it choked God, when it broke, God set me free instantaneously. Come on, give God a hand clip of praise. Set me free. You know, later on, I, I saw Margaret again. She's not even pretty. <laughs> Jesus, what a friend we have in Jesus. And all you're going to do is find it, kill it, before it kills you. Could be hurt, could be pain, could be wounds, could be disappointments, could be unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, whatever it is. If it's not of God, get rid of it. Here tonight when we pray for the people, you that are saying tonight, my God, I want to get free. You come with no fear of man. You come and you say, that's my promise from God. Wow. It's quarter after. We, we close now, right? It's, it's about... Ready? Is this about the time you close? I wanted to just share one little thing with you because, you know, we've read Ephesians. You know, a lot of times people don't understand what's going on. You see, the Ephesians thing was talking about coming up against powerful spirits. What people don't understand is you understand uh, 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 demon angels. There's demonic angels and then there's demon spirits. See, the demon angels, they have never lost their power. They're powerful. I mean, these are not the ordinary spirits that wants to possess people. They don't possess people. Demons do. Demonic angels, they are exactly that. They are angels with their own bodies. They're as powerful. I mean, they're so powerful that some of them even resisted the messenger of God, you know, for two weeks. They're powerful creatures. And to deal with them, you don't come against them unless you work with the armor of God. Because you've got to come in the power of God's might. Not in your own might. It's not by might nor is by power. It's by His might. By the way, you know, you don't work and don't come against devils with the blood of Jesus. That's a fallacy that should not be preached. Satan is not afraid of the blood. Don't come against the devil and say, Satan, I plead the blood of Jesus against you. He does not have any regard for the blood of Christ. He tramples underfoot the blood of Christ. The blood was never spilled to give you protection against devils. The blood was spilled to give you protection against God. It's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of a living God. God says, when I see the blood, 
I'll pass by over you. Because otherwise he could visit you with vengeance. The blood was spilt for only that one reason. What, is, what works against the enemy? He said, our resistance. Resist, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. When he says the devil, that's the spirit of Satan. It'll flee from you. Because the moment you submit to God, God puts you in the hollow of his hand, and you are protected. But when you're in rebellion, you do your own thing, you meddle with things you shouldn't, you invite Hollywood into your home, and bring R-rated movies into your homes, and come to church on Sundays, don't think you're protected by God. You sit and watch sex scenes, and hear them use vile cuss words in your home. Even though you may send the children to bed, and many don't even do that. And then still come and think you have protection here in church uh, from God? Only because you confess Christ as your Lord and Savior? No, sir. It's not going to work that way. You'll hear Jesus say, go away from me, ye that worketh lawlessness. So who are the demons? And to tell you who the demons are, I'll have to give you my theory. Because the Bible really doesn't say who demons are, but I'll give you my theory. Now, if you don't believe, I mean, if you don't agree with me, don't let that become a problem to you. you know, just forget it. Just say, no, I don't agree with him. You know, and then you believe whatever you want to believe. I know I'm right. <laughs> and don't let it offend you, offend you either. I mean, if you are offended by anything I say, build a bridge and get over it. You know. Don't let things offend you by what people say. Here's my th theory, Pastor. You see, in our time, well, let me back up quickly. I'm going to give it to you fast because we're out of time. In uh, the Bible, we read very vaguely about the existence of a pre-Adamite civilization. There, I know I'm right. There was a pre-Adamite civilization. And something happened there, and I think it was the fall of Lucifer then. We don't know when it was. It was millenniums, millenniums ago, where Lucifer fell. And it seems as if that civilization had Lucifer over them as sort of a god in charge of the planet. By the way, I believe that there's life in other planets, and I believe that they have their own angels in charge over those planets. They cannot make contact with us because we're the only planet that is contaminated with rebellion. And inside this dirt hole, God is wanting a people to make a choice against sin and accept His Lordship. But until such time, well, but that's beside the point. Now, God created another civilization. And he created man and women, man and female. He created them, told them to multiply, fill the earth, and so replenish the earth. Then he put a boundary. The boundary that he has now is... That if you live for God, you go into paradise, your soul. Your soul never dies.
The spirit of man never dies. So when you live for God, you go into paradise. That's scriptural. We can prove that a hundred times over. And if you don't live for God, you go into torment or in that part of Sheol or Hades. And that's the place that uh, people are kept for the day of judgment, the white throne judgment. Are you in agreement so far? So there's no wandering of spirits. In this era, this civilization, because Satan had fallen, God had done that for those who are now choosing to live for Satan. Now here's my theory. In the pre-Adamite world, there was no place of, of torment. There was no place of captivity. Satan had not yet fallen. And my theory is this, is that these, because the Bible refers to demons as disembodied spirits. They need a body. They're evil. They bring with them all sorts of diseases and sicknesses. They bring with them all sorts of fears and phobias. And when they come around, I mean, they bring all the filth. I mean, it's, these are stinking elements that you don't need in your life. That's why Jesus said, when you run across them, cast them out. They have no right in your life. They have no right on your body. I don't know. I think that some of them, maybe what happened to me in the, that time, is where they come and attach themselves. And that's what, you, what I felt, you know, it was, a, it was a dirty spirit of lust. And thank God he set me free. I can say like David, my feet almost slipped. That's just my theory. They definitely, these spirits there, they carry no threat. They cannot destroy you. They cannot harm you. They can bring sicknesses that can harm you. But you have to walk without them. If you notice something, no one knows what is inside man, but the spirit of man. Give me that CD ready to play. And now you understand, here tonight, if you know, and whether my theory is correct or not, you know, that's just some theory. If, but whatever it is, if it's a demon spirit that comes to you in whatever form, get rid of it. Stand with me.